Hi guys, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, broadcasting as ever from the mobile studio, as it's now been known, deep in the heart of North Yorkshire, England. Well, it's coming to the end of the summer. I had a feeling that um, autumn was arriving early, but it's actually a nice sunny day out there today. Uh, I know you guys like to keep tabs on the local weather as much as I like to moan about it. Um, (laughs) It's only about 18 degrees out there, so it's not exactly um, hot summer weather, but, um, well, the amount of rain and and just crappy weather we've had lately, I'll, I'll, I'll take a sunny day at reasonable temperatures uh, any day of the week. So all very nice as uh, as I sit and talk to you once again. It's, yeah, yet again I'm saying it's been a while and uh, obviously an apology goes without saying. I I fully intended to, to do, to cover this episode uh, much sooner. Uh, I kind of got a little bit sidetracked. I had a guest appearance on another podcast I can't remember if I've plugged it on Dissecting Dexter before. I'm pretty sure I have. It's Podtourage, uh, which is a great podcast uh, hosted by um, a group of friends who just get together and just chew the fat talking about any subjects that come up. Uh, No stone goes unturned. And uh, they were kind enough to invite me on. And I had a good chat with the guys. And um, we talked about video games and Amy Winehouse and... Uh, one or two other topics that came up along the way, and uh, and we had a really good time. So, if you're interested in hear, hearing me ramble on another podcast, then uh, have a look at the the Podtourage feed on iTunes, P O D T O U R A G E, and go back a couple of episodes to the one entitled "A Visitor from Across the Pond," and that'll be the one. I've also actually <laughs> done two other podcasts. Uh, in addition to that one, since I last covered Dexter, I have resurrected Gareth's Waste of Time, which was my go-to podcast before I um, got fully involved with Dexter. And um, I used to just talk mainly about TV shows and films, but um, after having a chat on Podtourage the other week, I was in- I was asked as to when The Waste of Time will be back, and I was kind of inspired by that to because uh, it got me thinking and I thought yeah I do still I would still have use for an outlet just to talk about things that are on my mind other than Dexter because um, I, I try to keep on point really with with this podcast although <laughs> digression is not unusual as uh, is the case right now um, but hey I'm plugging another podcast of mine so uh, I hope you'll indulge me um, so yeah I've done two episodes of Gareth's Waste of Time in the last couple of weeks just talking about topics, really. There's been some stuff about TV shows that I'm watching at the moment. I talk a bit about Breaking Bad, amongst others. And uh, this latest one, I went into quite a rant about the uh, English riots that went on a week or so ago. And uh, expressing my disgust and um, considering what happens next. And uh, it was a bit of a, well, I, I have to say it was a bit of a four-letter rant uh, so that if you do listen, then be warned, there are a few expletives. But, you know, if you're listening to Dissecting Dexter and Watch Dexter, then you're used to a few swear words. So um, I hope you won't uh, object if I turn the air blue talking about the scum that uh, rioted in England last week. OK, so um, 
back on point. We're we're going to get stuck into some Dexter now. Uh, we're just into season two. We did the 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 pilot note, the uh, episode one of season two last time. We're going to have a look at episode two now, entitled "Waiting to Exhale." The original air date was the thirteenth of July two thousand and eight. It was directed by Marcos Siega and written by Clyde Phillips. Now, Phillips is a well-known name associated with Dexter. He was the former showrunner who um, departed Dexter prior to season five. Marcos Siega, this is the first time his name's come up, and this is the first of three episodes that he directs this season, and the first of nine that he directs in total throughout the, uh, the first four seasons of Dexter. He didn't direct any in season five, though, so I don't know whether he'll be back in season six. That will that will remain to be seen. Uh, Siega has also worked on shows like Vampire Diaries, Cold Case, and has directed or is directing the first two episodes of the new uh, or the resurrected Charlie's Angels TV series. He was also uh, an executive producer on the short-lived Jimmy Smith's TV series Outlaw. You can find Marcos Siega on Twitter, at M Siega, M-S-I-E-G-A, if you're interested in following him. He's also represented on a website, hungryman.com. Now, whether uh, that website was named before the infamous season four episode, I'm not sure. <laughs> I like to think it was named after that episode, but um, who knows. But uh, Siega's on Twitter, so uh, I might just ask him. Right, let's talk Dexter, shall we? Episode review. Let's go. Dexter's lying in bed, sleepless, concerned by, as he puts it, his secrets rising to the surface. Referring, of course, to his dumping ground being discovered by divers at the end of the last episode. Next morning, though, it's back to business at a crime scene, and Masuka greets Dexter with some news. Eight confirmed. Eight confirmed. Here? No, here is just one. I'm talking eight confirmed victims of the Bay Harbor Butcher. The Bay Harbor Butcher? That's what the press is calling whoever dumped those bodies offshore. Has a nice ring to it, no? It's a little... lurid. Lurid and possibly wrong. Part of me is hoping they found the ice truck killer's dumping ground. Tell me about it. Last thing Miami needs is another serial killer. And the nickname is born. The Bay Harbor Butcher. Has a nice ring to it. The body they're standing round is the mother of the gangbanger murdered in the last episode. She was prepared to turn witness and got killed for her trouble. No prizes for guessing who might be the culprit. Obviously, little Chino is the suspect, but Dexter can't risk them bringing him in. He'll recognise him. Deborah takes some shit from a Hispanic kid watching the scene before standing next to Dexter over the body. She mentions how the woman had a little girl and remarks that Dexter doesn't seem to be moved. He says, I'm a crying on the inside kind of guy. This can't be the first time Deb's noticed Dexter's lack of emotion at a crime scene, surely. Nearby, Pascal is heard in her car arguing with her fiancé on the phone. LaGuerta interrupts her and says she can write the report if Pascal wants to get off. Isn't she nice? Meanwhile, the dead woman's daughter is carried past the scene and put in a car. 
Dexter observes and imagines himself being carried out of that shipping container by Harry. He knows that if he'd not failed to kill little Chino the night before, the girl's mother would still be alive. If he was capable of feeling guilt, he'd be feeling pretty shitty right about now. I like Daniel Licht's score in this scene. A nice new bit of music for the new season. Actually, there's quite a bit of new music, but this is one of my favourites. Dexter sets out to find Chino, while the news reports an increasing number of bodies being recovered from the ocean. As he drives along, he sees he's being tailed and assumes it's little Chino. He pulls into a side street and goes to confront the driver, only to find it's Dokes, doing his usual. They have a little exchange, but Dexter's still left with the problem of finding Chino before he finds him. Plus, he has to find a new way to, to dispose of the body, assuming he can manage to make the kill at all. Next morning, Dexter's trying to help Deb find a new apartment, but she turns her nose up at all his suggestions. In his head, we hear the mantra, I will not kill my sister, I will not kill my sister, which was pretty funny. He certainly has a sense of irony, doesn't he, our Dex? Aster rings him and says Rita's been acting weirdly, shouting at people on the phone and then shouting at her and Cody. Dexter rushes over without hesitation. Would he do that if he didn't care? He turns up with cakes. Does he think that's a cure for all evils? How often has he turned up with pastries and coffee? Rita's trying to sort out a funeral for Paul. There was an insurance policy that'll pay out enough money to cover it. Dexter thinks he's helping by suggesting that the county will bury him for free and she can use the money for the kids. He has no idea about the closure the children will need or that Rita might still harbour some old feelings for her ex-husband maybe. He was the father of her children after all, even if he could be an animal at times. Rita is quite restrained in her response, although we can see she's annoyed by his attempted advice. Dexter muses how he'll never understand how people deal with death. He's dealt with his share of death of close relatives. You'd think he'd have some kind of baseline idea, even if it's, even if it's not quite the same as the rest of us. In the office, Deb's giving LaGuerta a mouthful. They've had a meeting with Pascal about Deb hitting that man in the bar last episode. LaGuerta maintains that she doesn't think Deb's ready to go back to active duty. We know Deb well enough now to realise she's probably right, but at the same time, Deb needs this to keep her mind focused. Batista announces that it looks like the FBI are coming down to work the Bay Harbour Butcher case, and they're sending a guy called Frank Lundy to lead. Doke says the man's a rock star, having broken many big cases. Dexter could have a hot shot on his tail now, as well as Doke's. Then suddenly, in walks little Chino with his lawyer. Dexter kind of shrinks into the shadows to avoid being spotted, very much an oh-shit moment. <laughs> Chino's come in because they know he's being sought for the latest murder. LaGuerta leads the interview. The lawyer tries some bluster, but she cuts him down. However, the lawyer gives them a disc to watch. The video shows Chino looking smug holding up yesterday's newspaper, while the timestamp on the film is roughly the woman's time of death. So, unless the timestamp was frigged, Chino is not the murderer. This time, anyway. Pascal says they have to cut him loose. Masuka calls Dexter over and reveals he's been asked to help the forensic analysis of the Bay Harbor Butcher bodies, 13 so far and counting. Dexter not so subtly drops in a question about where the Bay Harbour Butcher could dispose of a body now his dumping ground's been found. Masuka offers loads of suggestions, not realising why the question's been asked. 
Then Dexter gets his first look at his new adversary, Frank Lundy of the FBI. Captain Matthews holds a meeting for the troops and doesn't play down the significance of the case. And then Lundy speaks. Hello, everyone. There is no such thing as the perfect crime. Not in my experience, anyway. With your help, and with the mistakes this person has made and will eventually make, we'll find whoever did this awful thing. I need everyone in every department up to speed on what we are doing while I review your files and put our task force together. So let's get a jump start on the Bay Harbor Butcher, a moniker which, by the way, repulses me. Well, we have something in common. Can someone get the lights? First report from the field had these parts as coming from one body. Actually, it's two. Actually, it's two. Uh-oh. There's been speculation that this human harvest might be connected to a case you've recently solved. But there are several inconsistencies between the two sets of body parts. Gender, exsanguination, specific methods of dissection. Not to mention my guys deserved it. The evidence just isn't there to piggyback this onto the ice truck killer. We're looking for a different suspect. All information... I love the mixing of Lundy's speech with Dexter's internal comments there. This show does have the ability to produce laughs, doesn't it? Its dark sense of humour was one of the things that really drew me in when I first saw it. Dexter seems to get the vibe from Lundy that he's not someone to be taken lightly, and he realises that he needs to stay on the ball, keep focused so as not to arouse suspicion. And he's got to make sure his tracks are thoroughly covered. This is new ground for him. He's never been so in danger of discovery before. He strides out of the briefing room with purpose, a new resolve to dispatch little Chino. He's got new motivation to get back on track and stay under the radar. He goes to get a tranquilizer gun from the police armory. Quite a surprising risk, but he gives the explanation that he's after an alligator who got his dog. We cut to Deborah at the gym. A guy strikes up conversation with her. He seems genuine and friendly. He offers to help her with a workout because she's hurt her hand on the punch bag, although we remember the bar fight from last episode that explains her hand injury. The guy gets some tape to wrap her knuckles, but the sound of the tape being sort of opened, unwrapped, brings a flashback to her from when Brian Moser had her captive. Understandably, she's spooked and beats a hasty retreat. Poor Deb. There, I said it again. Post-traumatic stress is a bitch. Poor girl. Dexter comes home later and finds Debs put the chain on the front door. Scared the shit out of me. How you doing? How am I doing? I saw the man I thought I loved. No, did love. Up on some goddamn screen with a gallery full of women that he murdered and cut into pieces. Deb, I... Don't. You fucking asked. So how am I doing? I'm just fine. Bless her. Nice performance again from Jennifer Carpenter. She really embodies the character so well. She's quite different to any character I've seen on a TV show before. There's an enormous vulnerability there, while she puts huge pressure on herself to suppress any perceived sign of, of weakness and strive to be the best police officer that she can and emulate her father, who she was never really able to impress while he was alive. She and Dexter have daddy issues in common, don't they? 
Later that night, Dexter goes to get little Chino. He's at a kind of house party. Dexter muses how he's not sure Harry would approve, but really, the code is there to protect Dexter, and protecting himself is what Dexter's trying to do now. So, I'd say it's okay. But when he goes to take his shot, he kind of hesitates, and to his horror, Dexter quickly realises Chino has the jump on him. I've been expecting you, he says, and a couple of guys pounce from the shadows. Dexter wriggles free and makes a run for it. He gives him the slip and hides in a drain, and in the dark he has a flashback. He's sitting with his brother in that bloody shipping container. Knowing how Brian turned out, it's sad to hear and see him reassuring young Dexter. The container door opens and in comes Officer Harry Morgan. Harry picks up Dexter and carries him out, leaving Brian sitting there, saying, Dexter, don't leave me. The boys call out to each other, and it's really sad, knowing what they'd been through and what was still to come for them, the different paths that they'd take and how it would turn out. At least for Brian. Of course, Dexter's story is, uh, his full story is yet to be revealed. We cut to the next morning in the police department. Dokes grabs a minute with Lundy. He sounds him out about joining the task force. Lundy compliments his good work in the department, but doesn't think he'd be a good fit for the team. He sees Dokes more as a leader, not a team member. Simple as that. Conversation over, but Lundy... You've got to like him. He does it with a smile and a nice manner. I must say, I really liked him from the start. He comes across as a gentleman. Professional, but courteous. Good qualities. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. It helps me control the chaos. Meanwhile, Dexter's arriving back at his apartment... Obviously, having got away unscathed from little Chino, but surely he'll have to explain what happened to the tranquilizer guns he borrowed and presumably lost. But actually, as it turned out, it wasn't revisited, so um, I guess uh, he was saved that little bit of embarrassment, but um, maybe a little hint of the writers dropping the ball on that minor detail, or, or maybe not so minor detail. But we move on, because suddenly Rita shows up, and Dexter lies to cover up where he's been. Of course, lying comes so naturally to him. She says she's been using the insurance money to pay for a proper funeral for Paul, and it's in an hour. She says it's about saying goodbye and her moving on, something Dexter struggles to empathise with. Although perhaps saying goodbye and moving on is something Dexter needs to think about. Rita wants him at the funeral. He starts to make an excuse, but remember, Rita's got a pair of balls these days. Go clean yourself up. The kids are expecting you. you Damn it, Dexter. I need you there, too. You have no idea what this feels like. Dexter looks down at his key ring, which has the doll's head left by Brian attached to it. He should know what it feels like. I mean, he is experiencing something. This sort of lost feeling and uncertainty. It's not the classic grieving the rest of us feel, necessarily, but it's personal to him. So... He kind of does know how it feels. It just won't be exactly the same emotions that Rita's feeling. We then join Batista and Deb, canvassing the local neighbourhood for potential witnesses to the gang murder from earlier, the witness. They're not having any luck, but then Deb spots a kid paint-spraying their car. She's like a coiled spring with all this, te- all this tension in her, and of course she gives chase. 
Actually, I think it's the, the same Hispanic kid that gave us some stick earlier on. When she catches the boy, she goes ballistic at him. She really loses it. He's gobby back, saying, Get off me unless you're going to fuck me like you did the ice truck killer. <laughs> Jeez, out of the mouths of babes, eh? Does he kiss his mother with that mouth? Deb then pulls a gun on him in temper, and the kid crumbles, saying something about knowing where the drugs are. Luckily, though, Batista catches up, and she backs off. We see the kid's wet himself in fright. <laughs> she meant bloody business there. She's so wound up and traumatised. She's something of a liability at the moment, isn't she? We then cut to the church, the funeral. Dexter walks in with Rita and the kids. If I believed in God, if I believed in sin, this is the place where I'd be sucked straight to hell. If I believed in hell... The whole notion of religion must be so alien to him. With the things he's seen, how could he ever conceive that there might be a god? You can't really blame him. I like the moment here, though, when Cody comes over to Dexter as he hesitates in the doorway. Come on, Dexter, it's all right, in his little voice. Bless him. His dad's died, and here he is reassuring his mother's boyfriend. The innocence of youth, you can't fail to be moved by it. As the service proceeds... The words of the priest kind of blur a bit, perhaps illustrating Dexter's attention waning. However, some of the words essentially said how the children were Paul's salvation. Well, they really felt like some foreshadowing there, perhaps words that will ring true in the future for Dexter. The church is, the church is empty except for the four of them, and the priest, of course. As Rita and the kids approach the coffin to say goodbye... Dexter seems a little bewildered at what's going on and looks around the church, his attention straying. He notice, notices a statue of Jesus being held by a woman and his eyes are drawn to the spear wound in his side. And, you know, you wonder whether Dexter's thinking that wound maybe looks like the wounds of one of his victims. Or maybe he's thinking from uh, a blood spatter forensic point of view. Then the priest approaches him and says the words... I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Now, this is a spoiler-free season two podcast, but I just have to say these words resonated with me very much, and I'm sure they will with plenty of you too. But as the priest moves away, he moves away to reveal Brian Moser sitting next to Dexter. Oh my God, is Dexter seeing ghosts now? I'm not sorry still here never left yeah you did I killed you no you just took my life so how do I make you go away hmm well you can try doing what these people are doing I'm not like them well if it helps I can tell you it's not your fault what you did to me I never said it was but you feel it how do you know that? It's human nature. I'm not human. No. You just fucked up. I need to let you go. You think it's as simple as that? Nothing's simple. Does this mean I'll be my dad now? This is great stuff. Lovely little exchange. Let's just assume 
that Dexter isn't actually conversing with an actual ghost. Rather, that his vision of Brian is a manifestation of a part of his own psyche. He's essentially telling himself that he needs to let go, that blaming himself is very much a normal human reaction, although he still doesn't consider himself to be human. Of course, he is very human, and his psyche offers the explanation for the confusion, saying simply, you're just fucked up, which of course he is. Now, we've said before, he's a deeply traumatised and damaged individual, fundamentally altered by what he experienced as a three-year-old. Not beyond redemption, though, I believe. He's shown signs of normal human emotions on multiple occasions that we've talked about. He's not a lost cause. I firmly believe that, as much as Dexter seems to think he is. <laughs> Bless Cody at the end there, at the end of that clip. How can Dexter not be moved by this boy's affection and openness to him? Back at the police department, the 29th Street King's gang has been rounded up, or at least it seemed to be a good portion of it, all busted on drugs charges. Pascal says it's thanks to Deborah. Batista has a quiet word with Dexter and tells him about Deb pulling her gun on an unarmed boy to get the information. He also says they didn't get little Chino. Dexter walks off with a slight smile on his face. His quarry is still out there and maybe without the same backup he had the night before. Can you hear that? Yep, I'm podcasting and a plane goes over. <laughs> LaGuerta and Pascal have a brief scene. LaGuerta's noticed Pascal using department resources to get the phone records of her fiancé. Pascal again shows her vulnerable side, saying she's new to this, this not trusting the person she loves or loved. LaGuerta is understanding outwardly, but you can't help but think she's just tucking this information away somewhere safe for when she can make a play to get her old job back. Conniving cow. <laughs> Bless her. We see the boy from earlier, the one Deb caught. He's in some kind of warehouse. Maybe it's where he lives or hangs out. He's spray painting the wall. And outside, little Chino pulls up in a car. Looks like he knows it was the boy who ratted out the gang and it's time for payback. He pulls a machete and takes the lift up to where the boy is. However, the lift seems to get stuck on its way. The doors slide open and Dexter appears, sticking Chino with the tranquilizer. He has some fight, though, and there's a struggle. The boy hears the noises, but when the lift arrives, there's no one inside. Nice work, Dex. It's not hard for him to get into the mind of a killer and anticipate Chino would go after the kid. Cut to the kill room. Chino looks well wrapped up this time, and thank goodness for it. Just a quick word about the guy who plays little Chino here, while he's still alive, because he's a big fella, and I first wondered if he was a wrestler or something. The actor is Matthew Willig, who was an NFL player, having played for six teams, according to the blurb on IMDb. He's retired as a player now, and concentrating on his acting career. Since Dexter, he's had quite a few roles in TV and films, including parts in Shark, iCarly, CSI, Cold Case, Terriers, Chuck and Ensis, to name but a few. He's six foot six or close on two metres tall. Just, just a bloody man mountain. Anyway, Dexter has the usual conversation with his victim. I'm doing this for me, he tells him. Pictures of the victims, though, are still pinned up, as is his ritual. Chino spots the daughter of the witness, whose son was murdered last episode. I didn't kill her, he says. 
Dexter says that he killed most of her, including her innocence, something, of course, Dexter, Dexter empathises with completely. Before he plunges the knife into Chino's chest, Dexter notices how steady his hand is. A fortunate turnaround. Clearly, he's responding to the recent motivation to get his mojo back. There's a look of relief on his face. And that's the end of little Chino. This kill was just the first of the loose ends I needed to tie off. I also found a newer, safer place to dump my trash. Moving at over four miles an hour, the Gulf Stream is one of the world's most powerful deep water currents. This time tomorrow, Little Chino will be north of Palm Beach. After that, it's on to Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, until eventually... Well, let's just say the North Atlantic's a pretty big place. He's interrupted by a call from Rita. She needs him, and it can't wait. Is he going to get his oats, or is this something else? Although the urgency in her voice suggests something else. And we join Dexter sitting in front of a shoe. Yes, that shoe. It's on Rita's table. So that's bad luck right there, putting shoes on a table. This is Paul's shoe, she tells him. Rita relates what Paul told her happened to him. And of course this story is spot on for what really happened. Dexter pretends to be sceptical about it, but Rita cuts him off. I didn't have a lot to hope for until I met you. You gave me something to believe in when I didn't even believe in myself. And maybe I was maybe I was so desperate that I looked the other way. Paul begged me to help him. And what did I do? I hung up on him. And he was so upset, he got into a prison fight, and he was beaten to death with a pipe. That's not your fault. Part of it is. Part of me believes that, with all of Paul's flaws, he paid the price for my dreams. Did you attack him, Dexter? I'd understand if you did, he attacked me. I hit Paul to protect you and the kids. Rita's come a long way already since the fragile, damaged woman we met in the pilot. She's so much more assertive and in control, and it was good to see Dexter admit his part here. Not that he had too much of a choice. I edited that last clip there a bit because there was a long silence before Dexter gave the admission. He was obviously giving his response a great deal of thought. He says he acted on impulse, and Rita seems relieved about it, but she asks where he got the drugs, and he says he stole it from the evidence locker. But she picks up on this, showing some of her own cunning detective skills. She says he acted on impulse, yet he stole the drugs. Like, he he planned on acting on impulse, which is a bit of an oxymoron. Dexter's expression is good. He realises he's put himself in a corner. But then Rita has a realisation. They were Dexter's drugs. And suddenly she has an explanation for him disappearing at all hours of the night. Are you an addict? (sighs) Yes, I have an addiction. And there we are. He's got an out. He's made a genuine admission about being an addict. Rita comforts him and says he's taken the first step. She says they can get him into a programme. It's interesting comparing Dexter's addiction to drugs. 
some of the principles are arguably the same, and I like the direction the plot seems to be taking here. It'll be interesting to explore that. The danger was that Rita would suspect Dexter had deliberately planned to implicate Paul, something that ultimately resulted in his death. She wouldn't have forgiven him for that, and he'd have lost her. Having to do a drug program is a small price to pay to maintain his cover, although we've had our suspicions that he's already genuinely started to care about them. Rita and the kids, that is. Julie Benz, I thought, did some good work in that scene, but I did love the variety of expressions on Michael C. Hall's face through the scene. All kinds of thoughts going through his head. He must have been so concerned the game was up, and then relief when she gave him that out. We cut to Dexter in the office. Lundy's there working late. They acknowledge each other as Dexter muses how he now faces a struggle he always knew was coming. I've been preparing for this my entire life, he says, so he thinks he's ready for it. But we shall see. Back at his apartment, he and Deb have a chat. Deb's looking for places to rent so she can get out of Dexter's hair. They have a little banter. Cute brother-sister stuff. Seems really genuine. It's typical banter that normal brothers and sisters would have. Normal being something Dexter thinks he can only aspire to. He tells Deb she doesn't have to go. They have a hug. And in voiceover, Dexter says he can then look after Deb the way Harry would have wanted. So I found that funny that even when they're seemingly having this genuine moment of brother-sister affection, Dexter deflects, at least internally and to us, by implying that it's what Harry would want, not what he himself wants. We know he cares for Deb very much. He's shown and proven that many times. So I don't know why he has to kid himself or try to kid us. Like we've talked about before he's often an unreliable narrator it was always right there i had to say goodbye in order to reconnect with what's really important with who i was with who i have to be dexter drops the doll's head into the water representative of him letting go of his brother as the head sinks from sight, Brian suddenly surges out of the water in a kind of Jason Voorhees or, or Carrie kind of way and grabs Dexter's wrist. But there's no threat. Dexter says, rest in peace. I am. Like it suddenly became so simple to him. Just let go and move on. Something he learned from Rita. Our Dexter is growing and moving on. Well done, sir. So, that's the end of the episode. Not one without excitement. Chino getting the jump on Dexter was a surprise, and we got our first look at Special Agent Lundy, who is clearly a man of proven intelligence and skill at catching serial killers. Dexter will need to be... He'll seriously need to be on his toes to keep a step ahead. I like what the writers are doing with Deborah too. She's such a great character, very fallible, and her vulnerability hiding behind the gobby, four-letter-strewn exterior... Encourages, to, encourages us to care about her, I think. Listener Feedback of course this point in the show I'd normally go through your listener feedback but I 
guess the long time between episodes hasn't helped any, and I've not actually received any to go through for this episode. However, I will just take this chance to say a quick thank you to some new iTunes reviews that have gone up since I last credited anyone. Thanks very much to Gary Sutton, Paris Hardy and Jerry from Texas. Thanks very much for leaving uh, the positive reviews. Now, it's not in my nature and I wouldn't dream about inviting praise for the podcast or touting for backpatting teeth back in <laughs> or touting for back patting you know what i mean I, I don't seek praise it's not me at all and and as i've said before i'm humbled by um all the kind words you've said about me in the show but there's always a but isn't there it's become increasingly apparent how getting more five star reviews on itunes really does help your position in the itunes store now i'm not the only dexter oriented show out there Previously, I've always looked at reviews simply as kind words and feedback from listeners, but nothing more than that. Just nice forum for feedback, but not so. Having more five-star reviews really does help where a podcast sits on iTunes. So if you enjoy the podcast and want to support it in some way and maybe have a couple of minutes spare, please take a moment to fire off a quick review for me. It doesn't have to be War and Peace. But if you can leave a five-star comment on iTunes, it'll really help the podcast and help towards its position in the iTunes store. If you do leave one, maybe just drop me a quick email as well, just to, rem just to let me know what you've done, and I'll make sure I give you a mention in a future episode. I say drop me an email because I may not see the review in iTunes straight away. I don't check it that often, and obviously if you're outside the UK or the US, um, obviously I've got to switch between the different countries uh, in iTunes to see reviews from listeners in those countries, if you know what I mean. Um, so if if there are any non-UK or US listeners, it, it could be quite easy for me to miss your review and not know it's there. So do drop me a line if you leave a review, and I will make sure I credit you in the podcast. So thanks very much in advance for that. The email address for the podcast, as always, is dissectingdexter at gmail.com. You can also leave me a voicemail. Now, as I talked about last time, the US listener line is on hiatus until season six starts. But if you're in the UK, you can call me on 0844 579 6949 and enter mailbox ID 08320. That really would be great to hear from fellow UK listeners. That really would be good. Fly the flag, as it were. Also, you can contact the show or follow the show on Twitter at Dissect Dexter or there's my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. The next episode, that's season two, episode three, is called An Inconvenient Lie in which Rita encourages Dexter to start attending Narcotics Anonymous and beginning the 12-step programme. However, she doesn't account for the complications brought about by his new sponsor. And we'll discover about her next episode. But what will Dokes make of it? He's been tailing Dexter, remember? Will he buy Dexter's apparent drug problem as an explanation for all the strange behaviour? Also in the next episode, Deborah is assigned to Lundy's task force which could be the best thing for her. 
As we know, she operates best when she's got something to really sink her teeth into and really devote her time to, and this could be it. Could be the making of her if it goes well. Poor girl needs something to boost her back up. Right, so just before I close out the podcast, a quick mention to the Rogue 2 podcasting network, of which the Dissecting Dexter podcast is now a member, as is my other show, Gareth's Waste of Time. It's a new podcasting network with several podcasts to check out, covering a variety of topics and styles. Have a look around. Check it out at www.rogue2.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-T-W-O. Rogue2.com. Get the Star Wars reference. And um, so, yeah, check it out. And if you have your own podcast that you think you'd like some extra exposure for, then uh, drop an email to the network admin, rogue2media at gmail.com, and Elton will be very happy to chat to you and uh, add you to the network. Right, well, that brings us to the end of another Dissecting Dexter. Hopefully it won't be another ten years before the next podcast. Uh, Season six looms ever nearer. We're, what, about six weeks away, is it now? Uh, The date today is the 20-something of August. (laughs) Um, No calendar nearby, forgive me. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, we're, we're gonna, obviously going to get stuck into season six when that airs. So I suspect I'll get probably get another another one season two show out before we get into season six. Um, but uh, also check out the Gareth's Waste of Time feed because I'm trying to get stuck back into that. Although again, like last year, I suspect that will go on hiatus once Dexter season six starts. So. Um, Hey, I'm all over the place, aren't I? But I do need to focus, as I'm sure you'll uh, want me to uh, focus on season six when that comes along. Uh, Which they're still filming, by the way. I think they're about three quarters of the way through filming uh, season six. So um, it's all good. There are lots of spoilers out there that I'm trying to avoid. Uh, Lots of photos and and whatnot. Um, I do intend to do one more uh, season six preview podcast. I hope to have a guest or two. Uh, live on a call to have a chat about that Uh, so watch out for that hopefully during september in the meantime that's it from me thanks ever so much for your continued support it means a lot thank you for listening thank you for downloading join me again soon and we'll dissect some more dexter so until then thanks very much take care cheers for now (laughs) 